Hello, and welcome to the Press Gallery, the Edmonton Journal's politics podcast, the Rebel Rebellion edition. It's Friday, February 19th, and I'm Mariam Ibrahim. I'm a legislature reporter for the Edmonton Journal and your Press Gallery host. Joining me in the newsroom studio today are city columnist Paula Simons. Good morning, Miriam. Good morning. And provincial affairs columnist Graham Thompson. Hello. Hello. Well, where do we start? Uh, it was a short week this week uh, with the family day long weekend. Yet it felt so long. Didn't it? It did. It really did feel so long. Uh, and of course, there was no shortage of news to keep the Alberta legislature watchers talking. Uh, one, one news story in particular, of course, was the showdown between the Alberta government and Rebel Media, the hyper right wing anti NDP sort of activist media website launched by the self proclaimed rebel commander himself, Ezra Levant. First, a rebel writer was prevented from attending a press conference, and then a government lawyer told rebel that they aren't journalists, and as outrage ensued, the province quickly backtracked to say, well, wait, no one will actually be blocked from press events. It's complicated, and we'll attempt to unpack the very, very complicated questions around who is a journalist and who isn't, and who gets to decide. And then later we'll take some time to chat about the awkward dance that is the Unite the Right movement. Can the PCs and Wild Rose really put their differences aside, or are they destined to forever be enemies? We'll break it down, and as usual, wrap things up with some good stuff from the gallery. Let's go. So it always feels a bit strange when the news media becomes the story, but that is what happened this week. Um, and and this all sort of really kicked off because Sheila Gunn-Reed, who is a Rebel Media writer, was barred from a legislature news conference um, that was uh, happening between Premier Rachel Notley and Prime Minister Justin Trudeau a few weeks ago. Now, anyone who's paid any attention to the videos and uh, pieces that are published by Rebel will know that they've made attacking the NDP in Alberta their raison d'etre. So it should come as no surprise that Gunreed's press conference eviction was just the spark to light the media firestorm that really took over Alberta politics this week. Paula, try to tell our listeners what happened. You know, the rebel delights in posing as free speech martyrs and in poking people with sticks. And so this for them was the best week in the world because the stories of the rebel being uh, evicted from uh, government press events have been percolating ever since. I mean, it wasn't just this Justin Trudeau press conference. There were a couple of previous events where accounts differ about why and how rebel people were asked to leave. What really made this a big story this week was that the government sent a, a letter to the rebel from a government lawyer saying, we believe the government's position is that you are not journalists. Right. And the rebel had hired Fred Kozak, who is probably the most respected media lawyer in Western Canada, to represent them. And, you know, Fred Kozak had written a letter saying, you know, why were uh, my clients' uh, correspondents banned? And this was the letter they got. And adding fuel to that fire was when the Premier's press secretary, Cheryl Oates, um, uh, gave an interview in which she said that the rebel were not journalists, A, because they were only online and not in print, and B, because uh, in a previous uh, libel case, Ezra Levant had testified that he was not a reporter. And that, I think, is what really ignited the spark. The fact that it was the, the government that was sort of saying who is or isn't a journalist. Because the problem with the government's definition of journalist is then, I'm not a journalist. And Graham's not a journalist. And Sean Butts, our videographer, is not a journalist. <laughs> because the government was saying, you have to be a reporter to be a journalist, which is 
nonsensical. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the government was also saying you have to be in print or, you know, on broadcast to be a journalist. And in 2016, when there are perfectly legitimate news outlets that are only online, uh, that's also a nonsensical argument. If the government had managed to say, we're not letting these people in because they're agents provocateurs, because they're a political movement, because they're not they're not functioning as authentic press people function. I don't know that I would have bought that argument, but at least it would have been an argument. And it wouldn't have been the government saying that they're not journalists. Well, because the the, the problem is (sighs) journalism is a very funny game. And I've had a very hard time trying to explain this to my readers who were really, really perplexed to the point of, of, you know, huge emotional upset to see people like Graham and Andrew Coyne and Jason Markasoff and me defending and I would just like to say, I am not defending Ezra Levant and the rebels. I am defending the principle of how we do not regulate a free press in a free and democratic society. And people said to me, well, but surely you have to have a journalism degree to be a journalist. And I said, nope. Oh, that would eliminate and, a whole bunch of really excellent reporters out there. And then they said to me, well, surely you have to have like a card from the Canadian Association of Journalists. And I said, nope. And they said, surely you have to pass some kind of exam. And I said, nope. And they said, well, surely there's some regulatory body. And I said, nope. Well, that and doesn't is, that this is just, just not how it works. And doesn't this just reveal sort of the, the, I guess, lack of media literacy out there? Well, there's that. But there's also the fact that people, for years, it's been an issue. Is whenever the media does a story that people don't like, you go back 10, 20, 30 years, people will complain. Well, isn't there, you know, you can complain to the press council in a sense, but that's not a body. We don't that belong to the press council anymore. You have to belong anymore. to that. For, no, yeah, yeah, exactly. But at the time, even then, you didn't have, again, we're not regulated like a, a lawyer or a doctor. You don't have to, as Paula said. There's no college out there for us. Yeah, exactly. So this is sort of coming to the fore because of digital age. People go online now. Uh, People can call themselves journalists, and you might think, no, that person's not a journalist, but trying to find a journalist, and it becomes very problematic. And I think what the government should have done, and I, I was told that the rebel has had their correspondent at events, um, it didn't cause a, dis- a, a disruption. You know, other events, at news conferences, whatever. Um, the government should have just let them quietly stand in the background if they were to cause a ruckus. If they were to think then of, kick them right out. Exactly. Then the sympathy is the public would say, well, look, these people are not journalists. They're causing a disruption at a news conference. Mm-hmm. They're causing a problem. They're not acting like uh, in, in a serious or respectful manner of the process. But no, the government stepped in and said, we're, we're going to toss you out. Then all of a sudden the rebel becomes the victim. And Levant loves being the bully, but also plays the victim really quickly and really well. And this, in a sense, he's piggybacking off of journalism, or journalists, and the, and the mainstream is supporting him, again, as Paula said, not because we support what he is saying, but his right to say it. And uh, people are saying, well, he's an odious person, he, and what he's saying is, is uh, really um, an attack on people, but it's still it's free speech. You can go back, and Paula and I both know that um, Ralph Klein, for example, he would have let me. He once referred in a lecture to Graham Thompson and Paula Simons as the two people he despised most. A- wow, that's Calgary. like a real badge of well, honor. Just, yeah, um, it was in Calgary. I think it was some students there yeah, asked yeah, him, at, who, at, at Mount Royal, <laughs> who, who don't you like?" And he said, "He mentioned Paula and me." Um, in two thousand six, fantastic. See, see my badge of honor? It's right here. I well, see it. I see I think it. I'm wearing it as that. On both of you. When and also I've mentioned uh, before in two thousand six when I made fun basically of. Uh, Klein not understanding equalization because he wanted to opt out of the federal program. Um, he actually had a news conference in St. John's at a premier's conference for all the national media and I asked him a question. He says, I'll, I don't talk to you. He was so angry with me. 
so very often it's in the eye of the beholder what is a journalist mm-hmm. and this is an issue but anyway going back to the government they handled it badly oh yes paula's right they, they took the wrong hill to die on in this one and now what's happened of course the government has hired uh, heather boyd uh, who used to work here at the Journal. And was then our be- former city editor. That's right, and then went on to uh, be bureau chief for the, the, for the Western Canada for, for Canadian Press. She's been hired, she's retired, she's been hired to look at the government media uh, guidelines. Of course, people are thinking this is the government still wants to regulate who's a journalist to get into the news conferences. I think what's going to happen is they're going to try and toss us back to the press gallery. I'm a member, and you are too, Full Mary. disclosure, and, uh, but I'm not a member. I mean, I used to be a member of the right. press gallery, but now I'm not. But, you know, guess what? I still get to go to lockups and right. press conferences right. whenever I choose to yeah. cherry-pick one. Yeah, and the press gallery released a, a, a statement through President Darcy Henton this week that basically said that, that accreditation hasn't ever right. been required and membership for the, in the press gallery has never been a requirement to cover press events right. at the legislature. Um, other jurisdictions, like Ottawa, for example, the federal press gallery does actually control the accreditation to news conferences. And I can see this actually being tossed back onto the press gallery in Alberta. I'm not saying it will happen that way. I can see that happening that way because the government, I think, is, is realizing it doesn't want to be seen as a gatekeeper to journalists to get accreditation. And by passing it back to us, it gets them to, to drop this in our lap to determine who gets accredited. Because at this point, the government is saying it's open to everybody. We will not say no to anybody at government news conferences. So does this mean that every single blogger or guy with a Twitter account or gal with a Tumblr page gets, not that I'm saying that Twitter is for boys and Tumblr is for girls, but... Um, <laughs> you but just did. I, just, I didn't say that. Um, that's that's a dirty lie, and I'm, playing, <laughs> and, and, and I'm a victim here, and you're and, taking and away my free speech rights. <laughs> but, you know, the, the problem is if every single person on social media gets to be a journalist... You know, people have been saying, well, what if hundreds of people show up at press conferences? And I thought, yeah, press conferences are not really that They're not exciting. that, like, they're really that, a lot of hurry up and wait, people. Uh, it's, it's, it, there's it, not a lot of excitement there. And it's really cold there. in the press room. Yeah. Um, and it kind of smells because it's next to the cafeteria. I mean, this is not such a glam <laughs> thing to do. But... Uh, it is, it is an issue. I mean, let's let's take a look at somebody on the opposite side of the political spectrum, David Klimenhaga, who is a, a staffer with the United Nurses of Alberta, a union activist, and writes a left-of-center blog, which is often extremely critical, not of the government, but of everybody else um you know and well, it used to and be really critical of the government when it wasn't was, when it was a conservative yeah. government yeah you know and, and it would be and it would be vociferously critical if we ever had a wild rose government i mean Klimenhaga is a political activist and he's as partisan in his own way as Ezra Levant. Now, I mean, he has more journalistic uh, street cred because he used to write for the Calgary Herald years and years ago. But if David Klimenhaga can come in, why can't Ezra Levant? Are we just saying that it's because Ezra has, you know, snottier manners? That's not actually, uh, you know, a reason. You mentioned uh, David Klimenhaga. He does a blog, but also the thing is, he's actually a a paid... um, Union staffer. Yeah, at the UNA, Nurses Association. So it's not as if he's working as a journalist, as a blogger, uh, like you could argue that um, Levant is doing. Yeah, I mean, Clemenhag has a different source of income. You know, similarly, Dave Cornway, who's, I think, a very respected blogger, very respected in covering political discourse. When somebody wrote to me this week and said, well, Ezra Levant isn't a journalist because he bought up uh, NDP domain names in order to embarrass the NDP government. I said, yeah, remember when Dave Cornway did that to Ed Stelmack? I mean, just because you make mischief 
also doesn't make you a journalist. Now, we can argue until the end of time about whether Ezra Levant and Sheila Gunn-Reed are good journalists, but there isn't actually a good journalism litmus test. Uh, and I think this is what my readers in particular are having a very, very hard time with, because they just don't understand why we're not like electricians or lawyers or dentists. Why isn't anybody the boss of us? And I've tried to explain not very effectively that in a free democracy where the charter right to a freedom of the press is absolutely sacrosanct, you cannot have any organization, not government, not quasi-judicial, not even industry, regulating journalism. Because in a world in which journalism is regulated, you are not going to like the outcome of that. I know in Ontario they tried looking at this years ago. Um, and at that point they're talking about, this is the government talking about a journalist should have a, a degree in journalism. But, <laughs> but the journalist said no. Well, some of the best reporters I know <coughs> I don't have never one. studied I, journalism. I, 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 oh, I have a super fancy master's degree <coughs> in journalism from Stanford University. Wow. But in fact, that doesn't, you know, many of my classmates who were in my program are not journalists. Award-winning journalists who have worked in this very newsroom well, never my, studied journalism. Well, I mean, uh, Karen Cleese exactly, doesn't yeah. have a journalism degree. A lot of people uh, don't. Jana Pruden Jana doesn't Pruden. have a journalism I, mean, I mean, these are examples know, of people who learned it by working right. at newspapers. Well, with, or with and me, sort of moving their way up. Um, through the with business. me, I got a degree in co-op English, University of Waterloo. Where I went to school four months, then went to the CBC four months, and did that for over, for over five years. But when I finished, I had a degree in English, but I had almost two years working, learning the, the, the craft at the CBC. Right. That to me would be much better than any journalism school in the country. Um, and well, I definitely learned more in this newsroom than I did in J school for sure. But okay, I want to sort of go back to this question, though, Paula, of of um, sort of the digital age and who can be a journalist where do you draw the line then I mean and and should a line be drawn and if so who gets to draw it well you know Graham raises a really really interesting point because in places like Ottawa in places like you know uh, the White House there are limitations to who can come in and who's an accredited member of the press corps that's for security reasons and it's for sort of just you know management of bodies reasons um in Alberta, we've always been much more laissez-faire about that. There may come a point when the press gallery here is put in the awkward position of saying who is and isn't a member of the press gallery for term, you know, for purposes of accreditation. I would hate for us to go down that path for a lot of reasons, but that would be infinitely better than the government being mm -hmm. the gatekeeper of who is and isn't a journalist. I mean, there are legitimate security issues. Uh, at the Alberta legislature, uh, there always have been when Klein was premier, when Stelmack was premier, when Redford was premier. Uh, but especially now, because there are people out there on social media who might fancy themselves journalists who are actively advocating for the murder of the premier. I mean, you can't let somebody in to a press conference who's on social media calling for the execution of Rachel Notley and Shannon Phillips. I mean, at a certain point, the sheriffs uh, have a role to play in making sure that basic safety is protected. Um, so you can't let in everybody who wants to pretend that they're a journalist when they have a different motivation. But The Rebel is a very different circumstance. I mean, The Rebel is an actual publication online. This isn't just some one-off Yahoo. I mean, they're well-organized Yahoos. But, you know, <laughs> I mean, they have, you know, and, and Ezra Levant, uh, doesn't practice journalism in a style I admire, but he was a former columnist with Sun Newspaper, with Sun Television. I mean, he, you know, he's he, he didn't just walk in off the street and pretend to be a journalist. 
And there needs but. to be the ability for, 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 for other reporters to be able to do well, their see, job. That, that, this, is, this may come down to, say, to the press gallery having to step in if the government opens the doors. And to me, they're doing this deliberately to force our hand. If we actually do have people coming in there and causing a disturbance, or, or it just becomes crowded, we'll end up having to then say, okay, fine, we've got to do something about this. It's not actually working. See, now that can control, in a sense, access at the actual building. <clears throat> Another issue is news conferences outside mm-hmm. the building. Um, you know, we have them, and, and you mentioned David Kleimanhaga and David Cornway turn up at news conferences. And a that's fair, fine. A, a fair amount. The thing is, they're not asking questions. So the media has, has no problem. You know, we don't, as long as we can get access and get, and get pictures, video, whatever, and ask questions at a news conference, it doesn't really matter who's in the room with us. If we start seeing people then come, coming forward saying, I have a blog, I want to ask a question of the premier, then it becomes an issue. But at the same time, at, at the legislature, I can see some sort of access being restricted. If it, but if we're moving down a road where it's a, it's a news conference at City Hall, it's a news conference at a hospital to open a, a new wing, and there's the Minister of Health, and there's somebody in the audience who says, I have a blog, I have a question for the minister, what happens then? Well, the thing is, and also, I think if it's a, a fair question or if it's a really good question, we don't mind who's asking it. If, if it's a question we haven't thought of, and we go, holy cow, that's a good question, and have the politician trying to answer it, I think we have no real problem with that. But the, but the problem is, you know, there are it's also, there are also, you know, for lack of a better, more technical term, kooks who hang around Absolutely. public events and, and can be disruptive. But, mm-hmm. you know, the... Governments in Alberta have tried to have their cake and eat it, too. Back when Alison Redford was premier, she gave an exclusive interview to blogger Kathleen Smith and sat down with her and gave her a big, long interview, uh, which she never did for me ever, not once the whole time she was premier. So she cherry-picked a blogger, and she thought she would be able to manage the message. And later on, uh, Kathleen Smith, Kiki Planet, became one of her most vociferous Mm -hmm. online critics. So, you know... um, if a premier is going to pick certain bloggers because they think they're going to get their message out that way, uh, they may be surprised at how hard it is to control the messaging uh, when somebody doesn't work for a major media organization and is really not sort of accountable to an editor for what they write. You know, governments have controlled in the past. You're right. Do it one way. Harper, look how Harper controlled the media. Now, he, he didn't say, you're not a journalist. They it's just, like you're not a person. <laughs> he just basically limited questions to, yeah. you know, maybe four or five, maybe. Three, I think it was. Yeah, three. No follow-ups. And no follow-ups. And also, they have a list of people, you know, you got on the list. Yeah. Um, you know, and the, the national media began boycotting that, thinking this is not fair. But the thing is, uh, that became an issue of journalists grumbling about it. And nobody cares, really, the journalists grumbling about, the, about their work. Because Harper handled it in such a way he wasn't doing what the... NDP government. Well, did and that's here. just it, right? Like it seems like the way the the government handled it this time ended up giving much more attention Absolutely. to somebody they never wanted to have any attention at all. Well, listen, I'm sure we could devote an entire episode or a week's worth of episodes to this question, but we won't. Um, let's instead turn our attention quickly to this um, sideshow that's playing out in Calgary. Um, the Unite the Right talks. Our colleague James Wood down at the Herald reported this week that the progressive conservatives from five Calgary constituencies came together to discuss rebuilding and the potential to join forces um, with the province's official um, Wild Rose opposition. There's going to be another meeting uh, this week with uh, another five constituencies, and there have been plenty of other meetings that have happened in the past. 
Graham, it feels like we keep talking about this and, and the position doesn't seem to be moving any forward. Can the PCs rebuild if people are pushing for this united right at the same time? Well, in a way, it's making it more um, of a, an issue for people in the PCs who don't want to unite. They're thinking, we've got to act now. I've talked to them last year and they were saying a real problem they were having was that people who were active in the past were no longer active with the party. Those who were active are people like Jonathan Dennis pushing for Unite the Right. Hmm. That became a public issue. You're starting to get the, you can call them mainstream PCers, the progressive uh, of the conservatives, um, are starting to push back now thinking, if we don't do anything right now, we may end up being pushed into a corner with the Wild Rose. Um, there's two things. One is, uh, is helping the pushback, and one is the, we saw the poll a few weeks ago showing that um, of decided voters in Alberta, I think 33% were for the Wild Rose, 31% for the PCs. The margin of error is 3%. It's basically a, a two-way tie. Hmm. And people in the PCs are thinking, well, hold on for a second. We have a, a chance of making a big comeback here. Uh, we, we shouldn't be rolling in bed with the Wild Rose because it's never a merger. It's always a takeover. It's basically the Wild Rose taking us over. And, of course, there's an argument right now. Last election, the PCs got more votes than the Wild Rose. The Wild Rose got more seats, like double the number of seats than the, the PCs. But there's a feeling in the PCs now that they can actually um, make a comeback. And so they are pushing back. They are trying to um, show their, their members they can actually make a stand. One of the big things is going to be for them is the um, upcoming, I haven't got a date yet. By-election in by -election Calgary Greenway. Greenway. This is to yep. replace Manmeet Buller, who was killed last year in a traffic accident. Mm -hmm. That has to be called by the end of May, early June. When they actually do that, if the PCs can do well, if they can win that and win it by a, a, a large margin especially, they're going to say, we are back. So this is going to be a test for the PCs to prove to themselves and the public that they can make a comeback. And, and if they lose it, they'll say, ah, it's just one by-election. Like, yeah, the thing really is, matter. well, I'll know it, it may mean more than that, but I think a win for them is going to be really important. They also have a, a convention coming up in May. So all these mm -hmm. meetings they're doing right now will feed into a convention to, to say, where do we go from here? Another big issue for them as a leader. Yeah, I was going to say, but who's going to step forward and be the leader of that well, party? Well, if they think there's actually a chance of winning, if it's a chance of them coming back. It's like a, a chicken and egg syndrome here. If they're doing well, they win Greenway. All of a sudden, they're making a comeback. They're getting more money, perhaps. Uh, that may then start feeding into the notion of they can get attract a credible leader, and that's really going to help them. Paula, what would it take? Like, I, you know, I, I hear people saying, "Well, if we don't unite the right, the NDP are going to win an, another election because they're going to come up the middle because we're going to split the right." I mean, can the bad blood between these two organizations actually be overcome in in that way before the next election, for example? I think it's a very difficult thing to do, especially because the bad blood continues. It's not like they're making nice. On social media, Sandra Jansen, who's a progressive mm. MLA from Calgary, has just been derided by people like Derek Fildebrandt and Vitor Marciano. I mean, they've gone after her like, to a point that's really, like, I, I can't even understand how bizarre this, this strategy is. I mean, if you want to pretend that you want to unite with people, uh, you know, the kind of personal attacks uh, uh, you know, and, and the worst slam they could think of is to call her, you know, a Trudeau liberal. <laughs> so that's, you know, that's been, that's been the, the horrible, ugly insult they've been flinging. Yeah. So it's it's hard for me to imagine a Dave Rodney, a Sandra Jansen. I mean, these are the people who are the sitting MLAs. And yet they're in the caucus with Brooke McIver, who definitely probably falls way on the other side of yeah. the spectrum on, on many issues. Yeah, that said, if I were the Wild Rose, I'm not even sure I would want 
to unite with a party whose brand is so tainted. I mean, the whole point of the Wild Rose was to say, we are different. We are not the conservatives. We are not the crony capitalists. We are not going to be as, as, you know, as, as corrupt as they claim that the Tories were. And, you know, they derided all these years of conservative bad fiscal management. So if you're trying to argue that you're the best choice for Albertans, why would you want to even absorb all of the poisons that are still lingering around that PC legacy. I mean, if I were Brian Jean, I would want to say, they're done, they're finished, we've united the right, you know, we don't need them. We are the right-wing party. We are the fiscal conservative I, party. I think, though, I think that's us. sort of a little I, bit I, what they are saying in, in some ways. Well, they're like, trying to. The, the problem is, I think the Wild Rose right now has gone as far as it can go. They need to absorb the, 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 the progressive conservatives to actually then tell the PCs, don't be afraid of us, you know, we have people coming on side to our party, therefore we're not the far right fringe. And they're trying to, I guess, smooth off the rough edges by trying to get some sort of working relationship with the PCs. But another issue here is this is, is a simplistic notion to think that you can just add up all the Wild Rose votes and the PC votes to get a equals a conservative vote. <laughs> it's a lot more complex than that. People who vote PC um, may never want to vote for the Wild Rose, and they would rather vote for the Liberals or the Alberta Party or stay home than vote for the Wild Rose. Mm-hmm. So I think that you just can't you know, say, add up the Wild Rose, vote PC, vote Are last time. Are you saying math is hard? I think he's saying math is hard. I'm saying it's difficult. Yeah. <laughs> and at, at the same time that this Unite the Right movement is going on, there's also you know, a, a, a muttering movement of people who are trying to unite the middle. Um, you know, whether that's around the Alberta Party. I mean, I think we the Liberal Party brand is, I think, done in Alberta, with all respect to David Swan. Greg Clark has been very effective as a one-person Alberta Party person, but that's not enough to make a middle road party. So is, you know, is there a potential for people who, who, you know, who voted NDP last time because they really wanted to change and they thought that Rachel Notley would be a moderate progressive that they could get behind. If people who voted NDP last time become disenchanted with NDP management uh, and progressive conservatives don't want to have anything to do with the Wild Rose, is there a potential for a new party in the middle to form? Well, sure, hypothetically. Oh, my um, God, a new party? Or, or, it's, it's or the, the Alberta party, yeah. No, but I'm saying, like, Jansen, you mentioned Senator Jansen. Her mm-hmm. argument right now is... We're the progressive conservatives. We are by default the, look at the poll she's saying, we are by default the moderate party. Yeah, so I think that she's saying we can build on that and actually in a sense shove off the wild rose to the right, the NDP to the left and take over once again the center, center right in Alberta Okay, politics. well, we're going to have to leave the Unite the Middle discussion <laughs> for another episode, and let's just end it, it there. Think of donuts. You know, like those Bismarcks with the jam oh, in the center. I don't like ones with jam in the middle. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, let's let's move on to good stuff. Let's give our listeners some, some good stuff from the gallery, our weekly segment when our panelists share something to read, watch, or listen, usually, but not always, of a political nature. Paula, what have you got for us today? I can't stand to suggest anything that has to do (coughs) with the Republican primary, so I am not going to. I'm going to suggest a really interesting piece in this week's New Yorker called The Golden Generation by uh, a female writer named Zhang Fan, uh, which is a look at the impact of new money from mainland China on Vancouver. Mm. And it's fascinating to see, you know, an American journalist's take on what's happening in Vancouver socially, politically, economically uh, with the influx of extraordinarily wealthy people from mainland China, not from Hong Kong, but but from the mainland and the impact that that is having 
on uh, the ecosystem economically and politically in Vancouver. A really, really fascinating read. Excellent. We will definitely throw that link up. Graham, what have you got? Yeah, I sent you a link to um, it's a definition going back to journalism. And it's done by the Canadian Association of Journalists. And I, th- I thought that's interesting. Of which I am not a member. <clears throat> Neither am I. <laughs> Me uh, neither. I thought it was interesting because it's like five and a half pages long, including references. It's written <laughs> as a definition by academics, basically. You know, the journalists, but it's an academic definition. So people who want a simplistic or a simple definition of journalism, as you point out, people you know, who read us go, well, it's very simple. I know what a journalist is, but it's very difficult to define. And this is an attempt to define it. And I had to laugh because journalists try and talk you know, in simple terms to try and explain complex ideas. And uh, good luck getting through that to figure out what exactly a journalist has. <laughs> That's funny. That, you read that, it. that reminds me, Karen Cleese, our, our former colleague on Twitter, um, sort of paraphrasing Justice Potter, right. said, I'm not going to attempt to define journalism, but I know it when I see it. Uh, and I really <laughs> liked that. Um, my recommendation today is, so we, I was like devastated to learn right before we started um, recording this morning that Harper Lee... Uh, has died and uh, I'm going to keep this very short because I have a lot of feelings about that but I am going to as a result recommend uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. I'm sure many of our listeners have already read it but maybe give it one more read uh, with with adult eyes. Yeah it is fascinating when you know if if you only read it in high school and you Mm -hmm. still love and remember it go back and read it now yeah and see how how different your (laughs) your new lens your learned mature adult lens gives it anyway that's my recommendation that's it for this edition of the press gallery you can find this episode and an archive of past editions on the website at edmontonjournal.com opinion you can also listen to us on soundcloud uh, via TuneIn radio and on itunes where if you like us i would love if you gave us a review uh, subscribe and a fresh edition of the press gallery will be delivered right to you thank you to paula and graham and our videographer this week sean butts And thank you all for listening. I'm Miriam Ibrahim, and we'll be back next week in the Press Gallery.